This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour podcast. With host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of saintsnation.com, Kevin Held of the team drops the ball, Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. They'd get his... I don't even have a joke, Dave! All right, welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Uh, Andrew, before we get to the Pelican House and do the sponsorship, because they're awesome, tell, tell the people why the podcast is just you and me. Well, we had everyone, and I thought it was a great episode. Actually. It was. So I thought it was really funny, and you know, it wasn't a lot of Saints talk. But it, was, <laughs> it was it not. Was, uh, it was not. There, there were a lot of jokes and, and that kind of stuff, but uh, and once again, we had the uh, audio issue and the well, no, podcast we, See, we, Ralph, you, you sound broken, man. Like, I almost feel bad mocking <laughs> you because like, the spirit is, is I am, out of it. I am a... I am a broken man on this podcast, and we are sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're awesome. They have 136 draft beers, and if I was there, I would drink them all, and I would watch on the 50-foot TV, and I would eat their late-night menu till I burst. The Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They're awesome. Please support them because they support us as long as this podcast goes, which is we keep having audio issues. It might not be much longer, Andrew. I'm about to have it. <laughs> Uh, and I, 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 like, I'm only half kidding, but seriously, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Um, um, yeah, probably not. But we have some fun stories. We'll tell, Andrew will tell a sandal story. That's awesome. I will tell a dating story later on that I didn't tell in the original podcast. Um, but Andrew, the saints had no news today, which is good because thank if the, God if yeah. the saints have news. That means that someone got arrested. Someone got drunk. Uh, the Joe, the Joe Morgan special, if or, you will, or the the Junior Galette beach beach blanket uh, beat you special. Yeah, that was another good one. That was another good one. Um, so we had a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, the thing is that was interesting, and we talked about it is with the NBA stuff. And I know, look, no one tunes in this podcast for NBA talk, obviously. But I think the interesting thing is with all the crazy salaries in the NBA, like, um. Does there become a point, do you think, in the NFL where, like, and I think it happened this year where, like, it's just hard to judge it. Like, you look at a contract like the, the Pelicans gave uh, two players, we don't even know their names, right, $80 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. So you look at it and you're like, I don't even know this player. That's crazy. They're giving a guy who scored four points $12 million a year. And you look at it and it's crazy. And we kind of did the same thing with Fleener at first. We're like, I can't They're paying Kobe Fleener $7 million a year. Dude, he's not even made a Pro Bowl. He's not even caught 60 balls in a season. But is it kind of like one of those things where you just have to, like, readjust your mind to these cuckoo numbers? 
Yeah, it's the TV contracts, man. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's a raising cap, and there's kind of this assumption now that it's going to keep raising. You know, I, I think teams would be smart to front-load deals because I, I think eventually, I mean, th- there has to be a point where this stops, well, and it's, especially yeah. with the NFL, with all the concussions. I, I think, if anything, with basketball, it, it might go up. But with football, I think – you know, there's a chance that it could decrease over time with the concussion stuff, and you see more and more guys retiring in their prime. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, but I, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. These contracts, and I tell you, the system's obviously broken when guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant are going to the best teams in the league because the product is so watered down now, man. And it's just like you look at these teams and like. You, we already know it's going to be Warriors Cavs in the final. Like unless there's a catastrophic injury to the Cavaliers, it's going to be the Warriors. I mean, the, the Warriors can probably suffer one catastrophic injury and well, still and be he, in the finals. And here's the thing: it's like owners there. I know they're like petrified of having to pay LeBron. Like if they didn't have a max salary and and, and they didn't have a cap in, in the NFL, it would be really hard. But like with the NBA, would owners be better off paying LeBron James a hundred million dollars and not paying? players we don't even know 12 million dollars you know would they be better off without a football might need a cap you know but it just seems like these salaries like they are like 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 bonkers like you you are gonna have in the nfl salary cap it's gonna go up another 10 million dollars probably next year right andrew i mean you're gonna have you're gonna have like I think in two years in the NFL, like you, you're going to laugh at this, but I think you're going to have a nickel corner, like your third corner is going to make ten million dollars a year. <laughs> I hope not. Um, like, but I yeah, think, I mean, no, I think like you said, it's you have to readjust your mind. I think I think what we understood in the past as like the standard and the going rate for a guy at a certain position that gives you that, that kind of value, like that everything's inflated. <laughs> and you know it, it it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be crazy and you know as we talk about we have no saints news to talk about but me and you did we don't we didn't, I don't think we argued on twitter right but we talked about like uh players that are that are, like free agents that are still out there and I threw out the name Leon Hall and he's like 100 years old and his knees are shot um but is there value that you can get in July and is well they signed uh Goodwin in uh, after June first, and you know that was one of those things where uh, I don't know that he was tremendous value that final year he played, but he was a starter. So you know, Kevin Williams was a guy they signed late in the yeah. process, and he ended up being a starter. So uh, yeah, I mean I think there's veterans. You mentioned Leon Hall, you know Luis Vasquez of uh, the Broncos. I mean there's veterans that are floating around. I think the thing that's tough about them it's a money thing. Like I think a lot of them are just like you know I'm what not, I'm not I'm gonna not. Pl- I'm not gonna play for the minimum. So I'm happy to either sit at home and call it a day, or if you want to pay me uh, what I think I'm worth, then sure I'll, I'll come play for you. So you know the Saints I don't think are financially in a position to do that. Um, yeah. But it's kind of interesting. I mean Col- Colston and Evans. I mean those are two guys that are pretty broken. I would say broken, and, broken like me. With my yeah, audio, I mean, audio yeah, issues. Yeah, like, like your audio quality. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where I, I I don't know that they have much left to give the league, but um, I mean, is Marcus Colston, or, and I'm not talking about for the Saints, but I'm just saying, is Jari Evans and Marcus Colston really any worse than some undrafted rookie that a team would sign at this point during training camp? 
I predict Jari Evans will get a job because Jari, like a guard, will get hurt in training camp, and Jari Evans will be on the list of players, and they'll have a team that will be in contention, like Arizona or New England or something, and they will sign Jari Evans. Yeah, I mean Pierre Thomas last season had to wait until what week ten to yeah. get a job. And because I, I think I think Jari Evans, he was qu- kind of quietly awful last year. Is that- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Fair to say? That's fair. Um, But I think a team would look at him and be like, you know, our offensive line is pretty good. If he can just be replacement level... We can get by with him. But the thing is, like you say, does Jari Evans, does he want to play for the minimum? You know? Well, I mean, we know the Saints offered him a pay cut to stay. So if he's not taking the Saints pay cut, I can't imagine he's, he's taking, t- you know, $2 million a year yeah. to play somewhere else. <laughs> so, um, you know, and another thing uh, that I want to talk about is, uh, and I, I did fight some people on this on Twitter, is uh, the P.J. Williams – I. I I would you called it love in our first podcast take one, but I kind of the more I think about it, Andrew, I think it's kind of a cult. Like I think the PJ Williams people, they're getting a little out of control. Oh yeah, I mean he, he's ready to start ahead of Delvin Bro as the Saints I number mean, one corner if he takes Saints Twitter seriously. I mean, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where he's you, you mentioned that he's reached Josh Hill of last year levels in terms of training camp internet era. stock. Like he's, yeah. he's at about twenty five dollars a share, and he might be worth a penny come yeah. October one. And look, I like the prospect, but I, I think it's important to remember two things. Number one, he was the third round pick. You know, he wasn't a first-round pick, and everyone's like, but he was a first-round grade. There's reasons why guys fall, and with him it was character stuff. But, like, that doesn't just go away. That's still a factor. And another factor is that he spent his entire rookie season on IR and didn't play a single game. So before I put any anointing water on the guy, 
I'd love to see him play one. Mm, the, anoint, the anointing one. That's a Bill Parcells, Sean Payton special. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but here, here's the thing, and we'll, we'll, me and you would talk about it a little, but it's a topic that I want to save hopefully when we have audio with Dave and Kevin. But I, but I do think it's a legitimate point to make, and I'm sort of crafting my WWL preview around it. And it, you can just shoot holes in it if you want to, Andrew. But here's my theory, is that the Saints, with the Saints, defense doesn't matter. All that matters is can they have a top five offense can they be a top five scoring offense? Because defense doesn't matter because we have a decade of proof that shows Sean Payton, the only time their defense is going to be good, they might get a dead cat bounce. But Sean Payton doesn't know how to build a culture and find players for for sustained defensive success. So while everybody on in, in training camp is going to be like, oh my God, who's going to be the third corner? Who's going to be the linebacker? Who's going to be this on defense? Is Rankin's going to be any good? Like, all those things are nice, but what really matters is, is Fleener going to be good? Is the offensive line going to be better? Is Thomas going to be good? Are they going to be good at wide receiver? Like, those questions matter way more than the defense. And that's my working theory for the Saints because they've proven that they just don't know anything about defense. So you might as well just give it up and just the offense is the thing that matters. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I think... The times that defensive coordinators have come in, and I'm really thinking about Greg Williams in his first year, Rob Ryan in his first year, and they've had some success by mixing things up. Um, And that's when the teams have had the most success. And I think when they're at their worst, it's obviously when they have an all-world horrible team (laughs) um, defensively. And we're talking about... Spagnola uh, in his one year or Ryan in these last two years. But you know, the, these have been some of the all-time worst defenses in, in the history of the league. Yeah, but and the thing is... the Saints and, are getting seven wins out of that. Here's the thing, uh, though, Andrew. The, the so all, they need to be not all-time worst. But the thing starters. is, the all-time worst defense is the norm. 2013 is the aberration. No, I agree. But I still believe that there's somewhere to go that's in between. I, I, I can't subscribe to the fact that it's just like a lost cause and that Sean Payton I, I do agree with you that the, the one stagnant has been a top five offense and I do believe they can replicate that again this year but there are some signs I mean I think if you look at the draft picks especially in the first round Vaccaro Jordan yeah. hopefully Rankins uh Stefan Anthony I mean there's enough guys there and you, that, that's now four first round picks on the defensive side of the ball that you kind of feel like is a building block to maybe turning this thing around and developing and building a culture. You know, uh, they're going to, they're obviously going to probably go to West Virginia for training camp. So if they go, will you be there again to give us yep, like, I'll, a, I'll be a, there. updates? Um, you know, and the thing is, the thing is, it's funny is you go in a training camp, like it, it really matters a lot. And I think, for, for me, because you get good information, and I think the media is kind of soft on them, but um, are they – is anybody coming to practice for, against them in West Virginia? Um, I know they're – No, I think their joint practices are with the Texans and the Patriots, but I don't think either of them are in West Virginia yeah, this because year. Because that helps a lot. Because, you know, because it's so hard to tell. Is the secondary good or are the Saints receivers just, you know, is the secondary bad? Is the receivers good? That's a um, good point because when they practiced with the Patriots last year, I remember telling you Ralph's defense is in trouble. Yeah, you were like, this. <laughs> you were like, the defense is in trouble and uh, 
Dustin Hopkins is going to be a really good kicker for the Saints. <laughs> turns out it was the Redskins. It turns out it was the Redskins. <laughs> like, like I am going to make the over-under on kicker jokes that I'm going to make is a thousand. And the over-under on Saints media members to block me off the kicking jokes is going to be like three. Like, I think they're going to block me because like last year – they were arguing they're like it's not it's it, it you know who it, I think like um, Nick Underhill who we like and other people what they were arguing with is like it was really close like it you know you can't you can't second guess that decision and you were like yeah you can it was clear like, yeah um, yeah no I mean that's how I felt but I want to talk about this and I'm I'm <laughs> the audio problem is just Andrew will tell you I'm I'm so mad but we had a discussion I want to have it here again because it was so fun. The Saints are doing the top 10 on the season tickets, like moments, like big games, you know. And we, yep. we figured that they would only have one from uh, pre-1985 before Benson bought the team. And Kevin brought it up Dempsey and Gilliam. And I said they had so many moments that it would just be Dempsey. But the thing that was more fun was if, if we go to hell, Andrew – and we had to go to Saints games. The season tickets would have the worst moments on them, and it would be Bizarro season tickets. And we named, like, all of them. Like, all the playoff losses under Mora. The 2011 San Francisco game. John Carney's extra point. John Carney's extra point. Probably Ditka and Ricky Williams on the ticket. Ditka wearing the dreadlocks. Oh, yeah. The Tim Couch, Hail Mary. Tim Couch, Hail Mary. You got to have Jonathan Sullivan on a ticket, too. Like, if you're doing Bizarro bad memories for the Saints. I think you have to have Dick Gordon. For the astronaut, but you only have ten tickets, so it's tough. The Aaron Brooks back backwards pass has <laughs> got to be on there. <laughs> uh, do you, do you do? Uh, it's so it's so hard. Like the the Bizarro Saints season ticket. Like there's so many bad. I I think the re, I think the John Carney missed extra point has got to be like that would be the that would be like if you could encapsulate like the misery of a Saints fan into. Five seconds. I think the John Carney extra point would be it. Yeah, wasn't there a game where they were up by one and gave up a safety? Yeah, that was with Ken Stabler in '83. Yeah, they were winning by one. Ken Stabler got sacked and they lost by one. That was my (laughs) argument. Of I, they, whenever I mention Ken Stabler, fun thing on Twitter is they have this like crazy diehard Raider fan that like always comes at me whenever I mention how bad Kenny Stabler was with the Saints. And I'm like, dude, I get that Kenny Stabler was awesome with the Raiders and you're like 70 and you love the guy. <laughs> but dude, he was atrocious with the Saints. He's like nine intercept, nine touchdowns, 18 interceptions. And like, if, and, and because before I had a kid, they, they have this guy, I forget his name, Chris, I forget. I won't even try to say your last name because I don't remember. But there's a guy in Mississippi. He has every Saints game ever on DVD, and you can send him a blank DVD, and he'll, you'll be like, "Dude, give me the '83 season," and he'll like copy it and send it to you. So and that guy's doing the Lord's work. He's doing the Lord's work. So like, um, I had him send me like the '79 Saints when they went eight and eight, and I had him send me like the '83 Saints because I did columns on them, and like. That '83 game, like four of those games, man. Kenny Stabler was like, per- like, like personally responsible for the losing. Like, if he just would have not been a dumpster fire, like the Saints probably would have been like, instead of eight and eight, they'd probably been like ten and six. They'd have been a horrible ten and six with 
George Rogers running and a good young defense, and they wouldn't have won in the playoffs or nothing. But they, they, you know, I mean, like he. Well, mo- I did the fifty worst Saints ever, and it's just unbelievable <laughs> how many bad quarterbacks there are. I mean, the quarterback, the history of the Saints quarterback wise before I'll say before Bobby Abair. So like, we'll forget Bobby Abair, you know, and obviously Aaron Brooks and, 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 uh, and uh, Drew Brees and you know, obviously Archie's in the mix there, but, but beyond those guys, like there's maybe like Jim Everett had a couple decent seasons and then it, it's just nothing but garbage, trash heap, awful. Well, here's the thing about Saints quarterback history. And we talked about it a little bit last week, but I'll go into it a little bit deeper. Now the Saints, they're, First big move, they signed Gary Quazzo, who was Johnny United's Johnny United. They gave up the first round pick, first overall pick for Gary Quazzo. Yeah, didn't they? Uh, I don't know if they did that. I'm pretty sure they traded the first overall pick in the 1967 draft for Gary Quazzo. And Buddy D used to tell me that um, the Saints did it because um, they thought Quazzo looked good on his football card. And he like he wasn't I, I, he wasn't like totally joking, but I mean scouting was different then, I guess. But yeah, like uh, we, you know, this is no, nope, you're right. They, tra- they we, traded they traded the number one pick for Gary Quasso. first overall. Yeah, and you know who the Colts picked? They picked Bubba Smith. Oh, great! Yeah, wonderful. And uh, like, like I mean. They could. This is making me realize we should do a bracket with uh, worst Saints quarterback of all time. We should. You know, the Saints they would have been better off just keeping the pick and picking somebody named Bob Greasy. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that would have been nice. Or, or, or they could have picked Steve Spurrier. That would have been fun. Um, you know, the, the NFL gave the Saints as an expansion team. They gave them the first pick and the last pick of the first round. And and the, the Saints still they got they no and they this, they had Paul Horning and the, Gary Quazzo they had the first they had the first and last pick of the first round and they had the first uh and they had the first and last two picks of the second round they had four they had four picks no they had five picks in the top fifty three and all they got out of it was John Gilliam. Unbelievable, and so the Saints are so bad, man. They're just their their history of 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 pre like, and it's it's a it's a shame that the only people that really know it are like Buddy D and Pete Finney and Dave Lagarde, like all the people that know the Saints' history. They're all old, and the and, and I know, but like this to me, like they don't even have like old like old Saints radio broadcasts in the seventies and eighties are gone. Like WWL didn't archive a bunch of it, so there's like games that are like gone. Like they don't even have them. Yeah, like, and like to me, that's one of the things that like drives me nuts. Like for NewOrleansSaints.com, like they should hire a like a guy, a person like not maybe us because we're too we're too old and we have kids and we need to make money, but hire like a young go-getter person and have them make like 30 for 30 like short internet films of like interviewing people that like know the saints history and like put it on their website and even if people don't necessarily you don't get like a ton of clicks from it like have it as a archive you know because now that it's all gone people will 
it's all over, like people will speak more freely of it, you know? Like, well, I feel like the Saints website. I mean, they're they're doing a lot of like fifty year anniversary stuff where they're kind of going back over the history of the team and and things that have happened in each decade. And I mean, I feel like that's the most comprehensive thing I've seen in the last decade, at least. Yeah. And you know, a lot a lot of these reporters. I mean, Jeff Duncan. Um, you know, Nick Underhill, Kat Terrell, I mean, they weren't really around. Like, either they're too young or they just they were covering a different team. And so that's just not in their strike zone or their knowledge base yeah, know, to I talk mean, about anything prior to really the Breeze era. Well, because you, you had, you know, the Saints, for the longest time, you had the beat writers like Buddy D from New Orleans, Pete Finney from New Orleans. Bob Marshall, who was the beat writer in the 70s, from New Orleans. Bob Rosser, who passed away. From, like, all they, they grew up in New Orleans, right? Yeah. And they, like, knew it all backwards and forwards, and, and they're just, they're getting old. Yeah, man. like, Larry, Larry Holder is from New Orleans, but I, I don't really know how much he was plugged in in the media until, you know, really the yeah. last five, ten years. No, I mean, Larry Holder, when I was there in 03, 04, and 05, he was at first, I think, the freelance guy for the Sun Herald, and then he was the full time guy for the Sun Herald when I left there. I think, you know, um, so there. But there's a lot of guys, e- even like me, who's like a Saints nerd and has read Who Dat History and other stuff that I can get in Jeff Duncan's book and all that. Like, I know it, but I, I guarantee you, I know the. the Multiply what I know times a thousand times Pete Finney and Ed Daniels and, you know, those guys. I mean, the Saints did some crazy shit in the 70s. I mean, they did just unbelievable shit in the 70s. And, and they're I tra- think we need to get Pete Finney on this podcast. Yeah, and have the audio go bad. And be, yeah, that'd be humili- awesome. Humili- humiliate me. I think Pete <laughs> Finney might do The thing is, though, I might I might have an in with Pete Finney because I could, I could, if I could, if I could, Get him on the phone. I could regale him with, but two like we could reminisce about Buddy D. That's my in with all the old guys. Like if yeah. like like I, got I feel me. like you did that with Detelier, and then half the podcast was spent with you and him just reminiscing about Buddy D. <laughs> yeah, but it gets it get, but it gets him in. It gets him on. And then I did like Ed Daniels. I had him on one time. Henderson would be good too. Oh if yeah, he, Henderson well, that, yeah, would be good. Speaking of, yeah, he's been around since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, he started doing play by play. He start, he moved to New Orleans, I think, from Atlanta in like '79. Okay. So he, so he but I mean, that's, Cer- he, he's certainly been around ever since I was a kid. Yeah. So I mean, we, but the Saints, this, but I, that's the thing. Like you, you know, you have other teams like San Francisco and the Bears. All their history is like that old stuff is cataloged, and I know that there's like a niche, like it's niche, like the diehards would want it. In the well, catalog. I think Tom Benson really just wants us to forget about everything before '85. <laughs> he he did, he did, and we did it. He did, he he did, he put out a media guide in 2004 that had no Saints history before 1985, and the Saints media freaked out. Kenny Kenny Wilkerson. <laughs> took the media guide. I, I didn't. I, I'm glad I rem, you, you brought that up because I would have told the story. I as God my witness, Kenny Wilkerson took the media guide that the Saints had that didn't have pre 1985 stuff, and he <laughs> chopped it in half with an axe that he got out of his truck. <laughs> I was oh, and I was just like, I was like, that's really funny, but Kenny, you're kind of insane. <laughs> and I say that is I said it is the one person left on the earth probably that's in the media that like 
doesn't like just bag and t- tell how horrible Kenny Wilkerson is. But Kenny Wilkerson, I I love the guy because he helped me out, but he was a little bit crazy. Um, he knew so, his Saints history though, dude. He did. Well, he did, and he he the thing about him was that made him different than the media today. And I, I think is that they, they don't let they don't let people do what Kenny Wilkerson did. Kenny Wilkerson would help players out like. Uh, the old Saints fullback, Mike Carney, he was a big hunter, right? Kenny Wilkerson would, like, hook him up with gear and stuff and, like, as, like, favors and stuff. So, like, he would give Kenny Wilkerson inside dirt that other reporters didn't have. So Kenny Wilkerson would, like, that line between reporter and friend of the player, like, Kenny Wilkerson just gave no shits about that. Yeah, well, I think think it's twofold why that doesn't happen anymore. I think, number one... In the social media era, where it's just like information gets out there so quickly, I just think players are a lot more vigilant. And you know, Sean Payton, I mean, he he's really done uh, an obsessive job almost of batting down the hatches. Oh yeah, they know, batted and, they... and really keeping a lid on things. But I also think in the media, like it, it's hard to really have a personality, you know, because so much of it now is breaking news on Twitter and just being the first yeah. to tweet something in 140 characters or less and. You know, I will say Nick Nick Underhill does a pretty good job of showing his personality on there and uh, developing his brand. But I just think a lot of the times these media people, they get lost in the shuffle because, you know, their articles are a sentence long. And that's really like that. That's how I'm not blaming them. That's like how society is now. We consume media in, in tweets. And it is like and I say this as a person that worked at two newspapers and worked at a radio station covering the Saints and a TV station covering the Saints. Media, I got out of it because with the internet, they pay less, they work you more, and it is a hard fucking job. Yeah. You know, those beat writers, I mean, people think those beat writers are making good, they are not. They are working their butts off and they are not making nearly probably what you think of it. And we're really lucky. I think... I think probably, Andrew, and I'm not just saying this because I like them and they're nice to me on Twitter. I probably think the Saints right now, they have as good a collection of beat writers as I think they've ever had since I was a little kid. Like, Well, it's almost like they have to push each other. Yeah. You know, I they mean, work hard. Yeah. I mean, Nick Underhill is phenomenal with Washington Tape, even though he gets salty. Uh, Kat Terrell is she does her junior galette piece last year was phenomenal. Even though I kind of went back and forth with her, I feel like they, the, the, they hold a lot of stuff back until the off season, you know, like all the juicy stuff that yeah. that's kind of like percolating under the surface. Like Larry Holder said, they hold it for a rainy day. Um, you know, but that they got to do what they got to do to, to keep, to, to make a living. Um, but I think they're, I think those two are phenomenal. Like those two are the best beat writers that we've had in a long time. And because they've had other people that are just kind of like, eh, you know, um, but they're really good. So, um, you know, before we get out of here, Andrew, I want you to tell the story that you told about your friend and his <laughs> sandals. Yeah. Well, I had a softball game this evening and, um, first of all, I didn't even realize that my friend did this because it's a really weird habit, but, um, he, I guess he puts his cleats on and then he like leaves his sandals in the grass right by his parked car. Like he just leaves them there on the ground um, as opposed to throwing them in his trunk or whatever. And so 
he came back after the game and went to go get his sandals, and there were sandals laying there in the grass, but they weren't his. And they were like these old, beat-up sandals with duct tape on them. And so evidently someone had stolen his flip-flops, <laughs> but as an olive branch left their sandals which were like lower in quality so basically whoever stole them like felt they were getting an upgrade but were willing to leave their their less appealing sandals for him in case he wanted them which i i just thought was the most glorious move i mean if you're going to be a criminal i mean what a strange way to go about it but it was like like i could just see him like sliding off the sandals and then like maybe like I'll reach down and take my... No, I'll just leave them. (laughs) As if he would ever wear them. Like, that's the part that's so great. (laughs) Oh, that's that's like a giant middle finger. But that's like, you know, that's one of those things, like I was telling him, you know, he he was saying he was all mad and he was going to email all the captains and all this stuff and see if he could figure out, you know, which team was involved or whatever. (laughs) And I was like, look, man, when something like that happens to you, you got to take it on the chin. Well, here's the thing, though. If he saw the sandals, like next week, like oh well, what? you know he's going to be eyeing everyone's <laughs> feet. Yeah, <laughs> every player that walks through the park. He's going to be like, he's going to be like, uh, he's going to be like Rex Ryan. That's right. I am. It'll be the- amazing if someone has the stones to actually wear, wear his sandals that they just stole in the parking right. lot. Well, we have some Twitter questions, and this is from Dylan. What would it take for the Saints to win the NFC South? I think it's a steep hill to climb to catch the Panthers right now. I, I think defensively they're so good, and offensively they're just good enough um, that I, I just think it's too tough for the Saints to catch them. So, they, they, yeah, no, the Saints to me, the Saints would have to have a, a really good injury luck because they don't have any depth, and they yeah. need a Fleener, Spiller, or Mike Thomas. They need two of those guys to be awesome along with Well, Brandon, yeah, Brandon I, I just think like if you look if you look at the star power, like if you look at the quality of the players, like with with the Saints, I would say that, you know, Breeze is obviously elite and then you've got Armstead, you know, Cam Jordan and maybe like Brandon Cooks. Like those are really the yeah. maybe the four guys that stand out Ford. to me is those are those are really solid players. The Panthers, I mean, you got Short, Keekley, um Thomas Davis, um, you know Cam Newton, uh, Greg Olson. I mean, you go up and down the list. I mean, they've got for every one guy that the Saints have like that, the Panthers have two or three. And they're, from a star power, power and just player quality standpoint, they just have better guys. So I, I honestly, I think it's even less about injuries. I think it's more about you know guys like Rankins and Cam Jordan and. Um, you know, Stefan Anthony, like making that leap where like the Saints just have guys that are playing at a Pro Bowl level that were like they just from a player quality standpoint catch up to the Panthers a little bit. Because right well, now I think that's they're they're just deficient in talent. And also I think this for the Saints to catch the Panthers, because I think if everything breaks right for the Saints with their schedule, I think if if well if if they have more things break right than break wrong. They could be like nine and seven or ten, yeah. ten and six, and that might get them a wild card. But if you want to catch the Panthers, you gotta go. You probably gotta get to eleven or twelve wins. They're good. I mean, so, like think about like Kurt Coleman and like Shaq Thompson. Those are guys that we don't talk about at all. But Kurt Coleman had like seven picks last year, yeah. and Shaq Tom- Shaq Thompson 
you know, as a first round linebacker and you don't, he gets lost in the shuffle with Keekley and Davis, but he's a great young player that yeah. runs really well sideline to sideline. Besides, you know, just having things break their way and injuries or whatever. The thing that Dylan, the thing that the saints will have to do to win the NFC South is they'll just have to be lucky as hell in close games. Like all yeah. those games that are decided by a touchdown, like, you know, you usually have like say six to eight of those a year, right? Yeah. Instead of going like four and four in those games or five and three, like the Saints need to go like six and two. You know, you know how you go six and two in those games with a really reliable kicker. Oh damn it, Andrew. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But Buzz kill. All right, last yep. question. But then... you know, I mean, another thing is like Spiller and and Jaris Bird. Like if if they come back to playing like at the level they did in Buffalo when they were really special. Like that's the kind of thing that the Saints would need. Yeah. Like kind of unrealistic stuff where guys that have done it before or haven't done it yet, and it just all comes together. Yeah, and you know, the, Carolina's not going fifteen and one because they won a lot of close games last year. So yeah. the question is, do they do they have a Super Bowl hangover to twelve and four, or do they have a Super Bowl hangover to ten and six? If it gets to ten and six, then it's wide open. Well, the so, Josh Norman injury hurts them, so that'll be loss, interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. So oh last, yeah, loss. Yeah. Last question, and then we can get out of here. The Eagle ask, what is more acceptable? Dating a girl who knows nothing about football, is a Seahawks fan, or is a Falcons fan? So we were talking about this earlier, and we agreed that dating a girl that's a Seahawks fan is the worst of the three options. And the reason for that is you can't really convince her otherwise. Yeah, and, and Seahawks Pete, and, are diehard. And, and she'll probably defend Pete Carroll being a she'll defend. She'll defend him to the death and be like, oh, but he's Watch so positive lose, and he's so cute. Watch you lose know. change. It's got some good points. Yes. <laughs> um, Alex so, Jones isn't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that uh, Seahawks are out. Falcons, now my cousin dated a Falcons fan once. And they're, they're so soft. The thing yeah. about Falcons fans is they're so can... soft, they're easy to turn. Yeah. So yeah. I think dating a Falcons fan is actually – you would think that the reaction would be like, oh, no, don't date them. That's the worst. I actually think that's like one of the more palatable of the three options. Especially if you're dating a Falcons fan and you're not in Atlanta, you could flip them easy. Like, it, like, oh, yeah. like Atlanta like, – like Atlanta – Falcons, they don't have a ton of diehard Atlanta Falcon fans. Just like, and I say this, I'm a they're, diehard. I, I feel like they're begging and just waiting for a reason to jump ship. Yeah, and I say this as a as a as as a lifelong crazy Houston Astro fan, and my wife is a crazy like the my Astros, wife. My wife, she, the Astros are her team. She watched. She 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 told me yesterday. She's like, I'm sad. Baseball season is half over now. Like she. Legitimately loves baseball and the Astros, and she's a crazy Astro fan. But I would say, like Atlanta Falcons fan and and Astro fan, you don't meet a lot of like diehards of that variety. So you could switch her. So I would say, if you can date a Falcons fan and you're not in Atlanta, that's the way to go. You can you can you can you can turn her. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, otherwise, just take the girl that doesn't like football. Yeah. <laughs> so um that wraps up the podcast thanks everybody for donating we're working on the audio issues god i am a broken fucking man i just this. hope this audio takes oh, are geez. we sure are we sure this podcast is I, gonna work i i both of our audio levels are good andrew i hope to god yes 
It might not be so great. It might not be so great because I turned off the stereo recording to try to make sure that it recorded because it was anyway. It's just a long story. So anyway, thanks to everybody for donating. Uh, And sorry, Kevin and Dave, they were here. They're not MIA. They are raced for bad audio. So find Kevin on Twitter. Find David Canal Street Chronicles. Go to Saints Nation because Andrew's writing great stuff. Uh, Until next week. The bar is closed. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.